All right. Let's get this out of the way first. The thoughts, views, and opinions expressed on Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast are solely those of the speakers, guests, and host, and do not in any way represent the thoughts or views or opinions of any other employer, partnership, or sponsor. The material and information in this podcast is for general information purposes only and should be used at the listener's discretion. Here comes the intro. Skip forward 30 seconds if you want to get right to the episode. This is the Tailboard Talk Podcast, the best health, wellness, and lifestyle resource for the fire service. We're using stories, lessons, and tips from the front lines to give a realistic view of what the job can do to us and how we can make it out alive. I'm Chris Morella, a firefighter since 03, medic since 05, full-time since 08, and promoted to lieutenant in 20. I'm also a personal trainer and strength coach, and I'm here to give you the best information and host the best discussions to make us capable and durable both on the job and away from it. So grab a heater, steal some fancy creamer from First Shift, and let's go chat. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast. My name's Chris. Um, How are you? Hope your week goes good. Had a pretty good week. We got the Vanessa Frost episode out last week. Firefighters aren't athletes or are not athletes. Some really good feedback on that. Uh, Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for commenting, sending me messages. I dig it. I hope you like the shirt that was on there. It had the fourth shift firefighter thing on the front and then not an athlete on the back. I'm not saying that'll be a shirt eventually, but it doesn't not stand a chance of being one. And with that, with that, the fourth shift firefighter thing. So I've been using that more often in the future. I'm sure I'll do a launch thing, some giveaways, some, some whatever. Um, I'm going to change the name from fourth shift fitness to fourth shift firefighter for a few reasons. And I didn't plan on talking about this. Turns out I'm going to, here we go. First one is, I don't want to keep scaring people away with the word fitness. It's a scary word. Second one, I want to reach a broader audience. And also, we talk about a lot of not fitness stuff on here. Like today, we're talking about getting in trouble and how to not get in more trouble once you get in trouble. Not really a fitness thing, right? But something that I've been in trouble. I've worked through it. I've um, come out the other side okay so far. And it's an important firefighter thing. So I want to be able to talk about it and I want to have guests on that aren't necessarily just fitness people. So changing the name from four shift firefighter, that'll be happening, happening eventually. I know I'm kind of ruining the big drop, but look for that. I'll have different stickers, say four shift firefighter on it. I'll still use the four shift fitness circle logo, um, for the fitness stuff, but the overall company will change. Okay. So let me get back to my notes here. Um, Oh, and with that, and now getting away from fitness, let's talk about fitness. I registered for an 80-mile bike ride at the end of August. Long story short, I said I was going to do this like a year ago. Um, then we planned a vacation, a camper trip, the same or the week after, so I figured it was scrapped. And then like two weeks ago, Katie was asking me if I was still going to go on my 80-mile bike ride, and I said no. And then she said why, and then I didn't know. So I found a different one. It's 80 miles. It's in Michigan. It's on uh, August 26th, I think. So I've already posted a few training log things from my fourth frontier heart rate strap, heart rate monitor, smart EKG monitor. Um, I'm going to do some more of that stuff that'll be on Instagram. Now going down that vein, I've also set a time limit of one hour per day on Instagram. Tried that time thing. I just get sucked into it, man. And I don't doom scroll necessarily. I know that's a thing. What I do is I hate scroll. So I end up going and finding people I don't like or that aggravate me. I, I look at what they're doing. Not very healthy. Big waste of time has given me some good content and will again in the future, but it's just not productive. There's so many other things that are on my to-do list that I don't do because I'm busy hate scrolling Instagram. All right. 
if I'm going to be on Instagram less, on social media less, that means that I have to beg and plead and ask that you guys share an episode if you find one you like or one that resonates with you or your crew or whoever or your spouse or whatever. Um, that will significantly help me stay off social media more and also keep the show growing, which it still is. But uh, even with the community um, I've talked about in the past, you guys show up, dude. You guys show up, excuse me, time and time again. I keep asking questions on Instagram, keep doing polls and stuff, and you guys keep showing up with numerous responses, and I dig it. It helps me a lot with uh, getting these episodes together. Let's talk about screwing up. And usually when we screw up, the next question is like, well, now what? And that's where we get in trouble. Typically speaking, and this will be a, a big circular conversation. Typically speaking, what you did is far less important than how you handle it and how you react to it when you're confronted with it. And we'll get into that kind of towards the end here, but I messed up the other day. And if you want to hear the details on how I screwed up, I'll tell you next time I see you. Um, I'm not afraid to talk about it, but it just happened. And I'm letting the dust settle a little bit. I'm not trying not to draw too much attention to myself. Um, and I understand that by not talking about it, there's more interest in it, but let's be honest, who's really going to approach someone and ask them in person besides the 10 people already have what happened. Anyways, if you want to talk to me in person, invite me out to the department to speak. I'm good with that too. And I'll tell you all kinds of stories. Anyways, I screwed up the other day. It ended up with me calling three different people and explaining what I did wrong, what I was thinking, what my intent was, uh, where I went wrong in trying to execute it. And, um, long story short, uh, I was able to kind of explain it away. And, um, most importantly, I, I outlined the steps of what I was doing to make sure it didn't happen again. So for all three people, I say, Hey, listen, I, I looked up the correct resource and I'm logging some training hours on right now. This is not something that's going to happen again. This was a, a whoopsie and I'm going to make sure it was just a whoopsie. So we're all good. And that's an important, important part of screwing up is one of the worst things you can show when you screw up screw up is indifference. And, um, I think a lot of times that's our ego talking, right? Like we want to pretend like we don't care or it's not a big deal or who cares anyways. Well, I can tell you from an officer perspective, indifference is the last thing I want to see. If you screw up, I want to see that you recognize you made a mistake. Something did not go well, or some mistake was made or some error was made. And I want to see you recognize it to the level that I believe that you care enough about it. that you're not going to do it again. That that's what's important to me as an officer. Um, if you do something boneheaded and show indifference, there's a lot more conversations that need to happen because now I don't know if you're so indifferent to it truly that you are not afraid of this happening again, or at least conscious of this potentially happening again. That's a big, big issue for an officer. So don't show indifference, take quote unquote ownership of it. Um, and go from there. Now I have a bunch of things written down. Okay. Um, the first one is admitting fault, which is also one of the harder things to do, right? Admitting fault does, does a couple of things. When you get in trouble, you screw up, whether it's when you get confronted with it or when you recognize it, admitting fault is one of the best things you can do for a couple of reasons. First of all, it lets you kind of tell the narrative of what happened, right? If I had to just messed up and then let whatever happens, happens, the story that would have come back to me through the chain would have been likely completely different than what actually happened. Instead, I kind of got ahead of it, right? I don't like to call like damage control because you're not, you're, you're just kind of explaining what happened. Um, and it still might not control any damage, but at least the real story will be out there. 
but you get to set the narrative. You get to um, get the real story out before the rumor mill starts flying. Not that that ever happens in the fire service. I'm not saying that, right? But um, that's the power that you give yourself when you admit fault. You get to set the narrative from the beginning. It might get away from you. It might. Now, important part of that is make sure it's a true narrative. Major key factor in that. Make sure you're not lying, which is another point down here. But admit fault. All right. That's step one. Uh, the other thing that admitting fault does is it builds your credibility even when you screw up. So it basically lets your superiors know that you're not trying to get away with something. You're admitting, like, I screwed up. And if you do that, then the next time you screw up, they're probably going to believe you when you tell them that it was an honest mistake or an oversight or something like that. You're not setting the tone of basically you trying to get away with things over and over. So when something truly significant happens, they're not already robbed of their opinion of you. You're showing character, you're showing integrity, and that you can be trusted even when you mess up. And you're reliable even when you mess up and your character and integrity aren't abandoning you when something goes sideways. So admit fault. You might have to fall on your sword a little bit. Um, that's just part of the game. That's, that's part of screwing up. It's not the most comfortable thing in the world for a reason. You screwed up. And, um, but I'll tell you that avoiding it or denying it or lying about it, oh, man, just makes stuff so much worse. And we'll talk about it in a second. Um, so here's something I tell my guys when I get a new crew member um, or I, I get put in charge of a different crew. First thing I tell them about screwing up is that you tell me right away when you screw up. For a couple of reasons, I've screwed up and um, I've been in meetings where you hear about the meeting with the chief where something bad happens and the chief brings out um, three, three piles of paper, right? And the first one's a very thin pile and the second one's a little bit bigger and the third one is far too thick for your liking and each pile incrementally gets worse for your career. Uh, I've been in that conversation. I've sat in the chair with the chief across from me and the two assistant chiefs and my captain and my battalion chief next to me and had that conversation of here's what we believe happened. Tell your side of the story. And there was the, those three piles in front of me. Not comfortable. Not a comfortable thing. Don't recommend it. But I know how that feels. And I know how I got through it. And I understand the dynamic of it. I understand what they were trying to do. I understand the roles everyone's playing. So if one of my guys screws up, I can give him that insight. I can at least prepare him for those conversations if it's going down that path, right? Fortunately, not a lot of people have that um, experience at that level. Um, fortunately, what they thought happened, I had no part of and I didn't do, which was found out about 10 hours later, which made for a really stressful day at work. Uh, so for about 10 hours, I thought I had the sword dangling over my head, but um, until they did some more investigating and, and figured out what actually happened. I was, I was off the hook, not a good day, but very valuable in terms of experience and information and being able to pass it on to people. So I always tell my guys, if you screw up, just tell me, tell me, don't let me find out from someone else. It's only going to let me get ahead of it or help you through it from the get go, help you, um, not make mistakes early on, which is when a lot of people make mistakes early on. But tell me, okay? The second reason I say tell me is because we do annual evaluations, and I will take whatever you screwed up on and turn that into a positive during your evaluation. If you hit something with the ambulance, if you do something goofy on the fire ground, we're going to identify it. We're going to document it. You might get in trouble for it, but that will come back, and you'll see that again in the year when you haven't done that thing again. And I'll, show, I'll basically write down 100% improvement in this area because we made a boneheaded mistake, 
we did the education, the training plan, whatever, and it hasn't happened again, 100% improvement. That's an easy high score on your evaluation, but you got to tell me, you got to tell me, we got to be in this thing together and um, then we can work through it. Okay. So there's a couple things to do when you mess up. Okay. First thing to do, and these, these are like the big three things I think of whenever anybody's getting in trouble. First thing to do is tell the truth, regardless of how damaging you think that truth can be. If you screwed up, you screwed up. If you screwed up, tell the truth. Even if you think it's going to result in discipline, some sort of other action, scrutiny, embarrassment, dude, just tell the truth. Okay. I, three people now over the past 10 years have lost their jobs that I know because they refused to, to, in my opinion, tell the truth. Telling the truth early on is the easiest way to make sure that your punishment is more manageable and um, appropriate than if you string along the administration with a bunch of lies and make them do the work of find out what actually happened, okay? Just tell the truth. That's, what, that's the advice I was given. So when I sat down at that table and I had three piles of paper and the chiefs and everybody there, you know, I had a, a quick 10 seconds before the chiefs walked in the room and that's why my battalion chief told me, he said, dude, just tell the truth. If you did something wrong, just fall on your sword. Don't lie. It's only going to make things worse. Just tell the truth. And I didn't do what they thought I did. And I said, okay, what if the truth is I didn't do it? And he goes, you better be right. Just tell the truth. So that's another part of this thing is that if they're coming to you, right, and you're being interviewed for something, they should, and typically they do, have like, uh, 90 to 99% complete story of what happened. They may need your input if it wasn't directly you that did something. But at that point, they've heard a story, investigated it to a point where they think it's credible, gathered information, went and compiled uh, potential results from this instance, got everybody together, and then came and talked to people. They have a pretty good idea what they're, ta they're talking about or doing. It's like when you're talking to the kids and you're asking them a question, but not really because you don't know the answer because you want to see if they're going to try to get away with something. That's kind of what these things are like. Now, in my case, luckily, it was untrue, and um, that's a favorable outcome. I mean, that's the easiest one because I could truthfully say I didn't do that, and then it was all good, but tell the truth, okay? Now, here's – oh, the other thing that uh, lying does is – if you lie initially, right, and then your conscience gets the best of you or you finally get counseled by someone you trust and you go, you know what, I got to come clean. And you have your meeting again and you say, okay, here's what really happened. And you lay it out there. It's not going to have the same effect and you're not as believable as you were in the first five minutes. So now what it turns into is a game of, I wonder what he's lying about now or I wonder how close to the truth this is. And that is not a game you want your chief playing or your administration playing when you're trying to convince them of, you not getting in trouble, okay? So just tell the truth early on. All right, the other one, don't immediately go on the offensive and don't start blaming people um, for a couple of reasons. First of all, you might not be the person in trouble, but if you're in that room and they're talking about discipline, chances are, sorry, chances are you were involved in it somehow. And you may get a little bit, a fraction of the discipline that the main players are getting. But if you start selling people out, all that's gonna do is, First of all, show them you have no integrity or character. It's going to destroy trust between you and your peers, whoever you're selling out. And then it's going to just set the foundation that this is going to be a difficult thing. Okay. This happened to me one time. I was a filling officer at a station. The other engine officer said, hey, 
Uh, I got to confront this guy about a skill set, but you and this guy have history about this particular skill set, but I need you to be there because I need him to know that it was this guy identifying the skill set deficiency, not Chris. He goes, but I need you there because I know he's going to automatically think it was you. And then we can kind of hammer this out in the room. And dude, as soon as this guy said, Hey, so-and-so come on in here, we got to talk about this, sat him down, said, here's the issue I have with your skill set in this particular area. Immediately that guy went on the offensive, pointed fingers at me, pointed fingers at other people. I knew he was out to get me. He's had it in for me for years. And this other engine officer had to be like, that is not the case. I'm noticing this. He's in here because I need everybody to be on the same page that this is a my, me thing, not a Chris thing. This guy went on the offensive, ruined his relationship with the crew, ruined his relationship with the officers because now we know that he's just going to sell anybody out to save himself. It took a long time to get that trust back. In the end, he was still wrong. He still had a deficiency and we still did a training plan and he still got better at it. So all that stuff in the beginning, when he flew off the handle and blaming people and going on the offensive, all that did was damage and nothing changed. Nothing changed in the future. No training plan changed. He was still in trouble. Nothing changed. All he did was hurt himself. So just avoid the temptation to start firing back right away, blaming people, saying it's not my fault. So-and-so did this. What about this guy? He's done that. Dude, just stick to what they're asking you, which is the next point. Listen to the question and answer the question. Just listen. Listen to the question, answer the question. When you're done answering a question, stop talking, okay? Now, I got to take a quick second. This is going to be annoying. I got to restart this camera. I'm using a different camera today. It's got a timer limit on it. Let me reset. Hold on. Okay, back here. Listen to the question. All right, listen to what they're asking you. Answer the question that they're asking you, and then stop talking, okay? I've been known to overtalk. Some of the guys I got promoted around, are known to overtalk. They feel like because someone's asking them a question, they have to go on the defensive and start explaining something they may not have even done because they're trying to justify it and not get in trouble. It's just a weird thing, right? You start thinking you're guilty, so you start defending yourself right away. You will have a chance to explain yourself because if it's a yes or no question or even like, tell me what happened, first of all, just tell them what happened. Don't lie. If it's a yes or no question, the next question they're going to ask you is, what were you thinking or why did you do that? That's your time to start explaining. That's your time to give backstory, context, intention, or intent behind what you did, whatever, okay? The wrong time to do it is to say, did this happen? And you start saying, well, here's what I was thinking, and here's what happened, and here's the other side of it. All that's doing is making them say, why is this guy working so hard to not answer this question? Dude, just answer the question, listen to it, answer the question, and when you're done answering the question, stop talking. It's just like any other job interview, okay? But you can over-talk so quickly get yourself into more trouble, implicate yourself in stuff, admit to things that you are, do not mean to and are not related to what they're talking about because of nerves, okay? So just listen. Listen and answer, okay? So that this is a relatively quick one today, okay? I got a couple points in there, okay? Tell the truth. Don't lie. Same thing. Don't go on the offensive. Uh, listen, answer the question, okay? Um, yeah, that, that's pretty good. I want to. This is hopefully one of the more useful episodes, because uh, because we're all gonna screw up, dude. Unless your unless your sole purpose in life is just to clean toilets and run fire alarms and carry cans, 
you're going to screw up. If you're trying to make moves, if you're trying to be aggressive, uh, make a difference, help people out, go out of your way, go above and beyond, you're going to stumble. You're going to screw up. Intentionally, you're not. All of our lives are different. We all do stupid stuff for one reason or other or no reason at all, but we're all going to screw up, okay? In my experience, the most important times after you screw up, you do the thing stupid, okay? The most impactful points of that experience are like the first minute after you get confronted with it, okay? Then like the next two weeks afterwards. If you start firing off stuff, go flying off the handle immediately, that does not look good. That does not paint an innocent picture or a reasonable person picture, right? And then once you calm down from that meeting, let's say you compose yourself well in the meeting and you're just frustrated. In the next two weeks, you start spouting off about the department, this, that, you know, trying to tell your story against the, the administration, how they're screwing you over. That is not going to help, okay? So the first minute or so after you get confronted with it, control yourself, okay? And then understand that you're on the radar. You're being looked at now. And how you respond in the next couple of weeks is really going to impact um, kind of how this thing gets handled, okay? It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. It's going to suck real bad. You're going to be reminded of it constantly. You're going to be a talking point for a while. You are going to be an example for a while, okay? But if you do these things I told you to, or at least try to, you're going to be a talking point for a lot less time. If you think of the people who have really screwed up that we still talk about years and years and years later, it's probably because they did something dumb after they screwed up. And if they would have just told the truth right away, admitted fault, taken their punishment, whatever it was, um, you know, if they would have done those things, the actual act that they did, the actual screw up they did was probably far less severe than it had to be. But because they chose to act a certain way or, or do something goofy after the fact, it made what they did that much worse. And they actually got punished for how they acted, not the act itself, if that makes sense. So we're, we're going to screw up, but do your best afterwards to not make it worse. Okay. I think that's good enough. That's got to be like just around 25 minutes real quick. And I got to splice this in there real quick. I forgot this part. There's an obligatory statement in there. If you're a part of a union department and Joe Galley um, probably wants me to say this, if you think that a conversation with a supervisor or anybody is going to lead to discipline, it's always smart to have a union representative as a witness. Okay. Now, here's the thing about unions and union representatives and shops or stuff like that. And this is a whole nother conversation. So I'm just going to give you the outline real quick. Unions are not your personal injury attorneys. They're not your personal lawyers, your defense attorneys, anything like that. Unions and cities come to an agreement, okay? And they decide this is the code of conduct and the expectation for the employees. If an employee goes outside of that code of conduct, they're going to get in trouble. That's the agreement, right? If you play outside the rules, you're going to get busted. You're going to get a penalty. The union's job is to make sure that both people there play inside the rules when it's time for punishment time, okay? So as long as the city is doing what they're supposed to do by the book in terms of progressive discipline or investigations or whatever, the union is happy, all good, okay? Now that gets into a conversation because we've had some people that are like, union didn't fight for me, they didn't stand up for me. Well, you screwed up, man. You like, you blew it. You did something indefensible by our contract or by the department rules, and you're going to get in trouble for it. All the unions there to make sure that the department or the city doesn't overstep and take egregious discipline or something like that or become just unruly in their discipline. So have that union rep there, but understand they're just there to make sure both sides are following the rules while you get in trouble. Okay. Bigger conversation. Sorry if that ruffles some feathers. 
That's my view of the union, and I think that's an accurate view of the union. Okay, so that's the episode now. Um, if you guys dig the show, feel free to donate. We got a Buy Me a Coffee button on the website, the existing website now, for Shift Fitness. Um, if you like any of the episodes and you feel like any of this information might be cool to hear in person, I am super duper available for hire. You can hire me out to your department. Um, I really want to get into speaking at conferences uh, and symposiums and stuff like that. Going to departments is cool, but usually what happens is like one guy will want me to come in, right? He'll, he'll be the guy that listens to the podcast and then he'll tell a few other guys are like, yeah, it could be pretty cool. So I go in there and those four guys are cool and they care. The other 10 are there on mandatory training and they could not care less, right? So it's a pretty difficult room. I still have fun with it. It's still a challenge. I like to do it. But speaking at conferences and symposiums and stuff, everybody chose to be there. They want to hear something um, directly and they paid to be there. They're invested in it. It's just a lot easier to talk to, a lot uh, more flowy, a lot looser, which got me in trouble uh, once. But anyways, I'm available for hire. Hire me out. If you guys need training plans and stuff like that, I don't have any standalone plans on the website yet, but you can always reach out and we can talk about digital personal training or if you're in the Chicagoland area, we can talk about personal training here in the garage. All right. Until next time, guys, thanks for hanging out. Uh, let's all keep working on being toward, what, what, what am I saying? Let's all keep working towards being more capable and durable, both on shift and away from it and be a four shift firefighter.